It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. What's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday. A week out from the midterm elections, and we have results. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. We have a lot to go over. Kerry Lake going down in flames in Arizona. I predicted that one. Blake Masters going down. Pretty much all the important positions here in the state of Nevada, of all the election deniers at least, going down. I know Joe Lombardo won. He's not an election denier, but... um, We'll get into that a little bit more coming up at the bottom of the hour. Jim Jonas with Veterans in Politics will be joining us in studio. That organization endorsed a lot of Republicans that lost, so I want to ask him why. Why did you endorse these candidates, and why did they go down in flames? We'll talk to him coming up at the bottom of the hour. Always love talking to you and all the hoops, you know. And, uh... I like Kevin Kruger a lot, the head coach. He'll be joining us in hour number two. He's got his work cut out for him this year, but we got a really, really good basketball team in town. The Dayton, they're the Flyers, right? The Dayton Flyers. They're ranked 21st in the country. Uh, we're going to really see what this UNLV basketball team is made of. I like to, uh, listen, I, I root for UNLV. I root for Kevin because he's a good dude. I think they're in trouble tonight, but uh, the Dayton Flyers are in town. And uh, the head basketball coach for UNLV, Kevin Kruger, will be joining us in hour number two as well. So I'm certainly looking forward to that conversation. Always love it when Kevin joins us on the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So Kerry Lake makes an appearance on Fox News with Jesse Waters yesterday. And this was very shortly before it became official. And she knew at this point she was going to lose. And she lost. Katie Hobbs is the winner. Not because Katie Hobbs is a great candidate out there in Arizona. Not because she was the Secretary of State and Democrats cheated. The reason why Carrie Hobbs won is America as a whole, we are tired of the election-denying idiots. We are tired of the craziness in this country. And yes, a few of the crazies did win across the country, but not here in the state of Nevada. And I am very proud to say that the intelligent reasonable Republicans came out and said, we don't want that. We don't want Jim Marchant. We don't want Adam Laxon. Now, they still got a lot of votes, but not enough to win. And Kerry Lake is a perfect example of that. So Kerry Lake makes an appearance on Fox News, of course, on the right-wing echo chamber. And I want you to listen to this, and we're going we're gonna to kind of dive into it and talk about it. This is, again, the same reason why Kerry Lake lost. Have a listen to what she says uh, on with Jesse Waters. Well, I can't imagine our our version of Joe Biden, Katie Hobbs, would win because she didn't even campaign. She hid in her basement. She's a twice convicted racist. I don't believe that. All right. So first of all, let me just stop her right there. Even if Katie Hobbs didn't run a good campaign. Kerry Lake says, I can't imagine how she could win. Well, I'll tell you why. Because of you. Because of the ridiculous, crazy things that you say every day. Katie Hobbs could be, and by the way, it's not true. She wasn't in a basement. 
everything Carrie Lake says is a lie. She was out there campaigning. Now, you want to say she didn't run a good campaign? Okay, fine. That's an opinion. But what Carrie Lake is saying is wrong. She wasn't in the basement. It's the same thing that Donald Trump said about Joe Biden. Joe Biden in the basement, and then Joe Biden defeats Donald Trump. This is the same situation. So right off the bat, what Carrie Lake is saying is 100% wrong. She's a twice convicted racist. I don't believe that people of Arizona would vote for her and that she would. Okay. A twice convicted racist? For a second there, I, I thought she said rapist. A twice convicted racist. Okay. So first of all, you can't be convicted of being a racist. That's number one. Uh, so right there, that statement alone doesn't make any sense. And number two, there is no evidence that she is a racist. What Carrie Lake is referring to is back in the day, this woman fired one of her employees, not because she was black, but because she was black, people make an assumption that, oh, you fired somebody that's black, she must be a racist. So again, line number two from Carrie Lake. Arizona would vote for her and that she would win. But if that's what happens at the end of the day, how do you certify an election that is this botched? And she's the one that would certify her own election. Okay, so first of all, (laughs) I keep interrupting every five because everything she says is wrong. What do you mean it was botched? You certify an election when an election is done properly and there's no evidence of cheating. There is zero evidence of cheating. When Kerry Lake talks about this election being botched, some machines went down in Maricopa County. That doesn't mean anything was botched. People still got their opportunity to vote. They could have waited it out, and some of them did. They waited a few hours to vote, or they could have gone to another facility, which many of them did. So nothing was botched. Everybody had an opportunity to vote. If you were at a facility where a machine went down, by the way, this happens in every election where sometimes machines malfunction a little bit and you go to another place to vote. (laughs) The idea that Kerry Lake is saying that there was cheating by Democrats and these, this election was rigged and that because some machines, a few machines, and that's what all what we're, we're just talking about a few machines at, at a specific location that went down that somehow the Democrats cheated is absurd. And this is exactly the reason why Kerry Lake lost. Where it was botched, where the machines didn't work in more than a third of the polling centers. Not true. I don't know how we remedy this, but the people of Arizona are furious. They're reaching out to us by the thousands saying... (laughs) Stop it for a second. You notice how they always... People are reaching out to me by the thousands. Yeah, really? Show the evidence of that. I'd love to see that. By the way, it's, it's like, it reminds me of these right-wing idiots in this town. Wayne Allen Cook, who does a show in this town, every day he'll say, thousands of people are telling me that they're, uh, they know people that are dropping dead from the vaccines. Thousands of people are reaching out to me when these people don't even have five listeners. Kerry Lake, thousands of people are reaching out to me. Yeah, I- I'm sure, I'm sure that's the case, Kerry. Literally everything out of this disgusting woman's mouth is a lie. Literally, everything is a lie. I don't think my vote even was counted. I didn't even get a (laughs) chance to vote. There were so many hoops to jump through. I had to go because my daughter had a a track meet or my work wasn't going to give me four hours off to six hours off to vote. It's outrageous what happened. We had lines that were three and four hours long in retirement areas where people were old. And all of this happened in Republican areas. My area where I was going to vote, the printer didn't work. There wasn't enough toner in the printer. So I went to a liberal part of town and got right in and out in about 15 minutes. It's funny how that works in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, if Kay is in charge of the ink and toner for the election as Secretary (laughs) of State and there's no ink and toner, 
and it's causing these and types of problems. And this is this and this can't stand. This can't you can't no, have can't someone stand. in charge Listen, of that kind of it, it, can't, it, it can't stand because there wasn't toner and a printer. Uh, this, these results can't stand. Do you hear what Jesse Waters is saying? This talentless clown, this imbecile. He's saying because there wasn't toner in a printer that this is not a free and fair election. I mean, you guys, you you can't make this stuff up. And by the way, Jesse Waters has a responsibility to tell the truth. He never does. They never do on Fox News. They never do. And on the other side of the coin, then you have Blake Masters, who appeared on Tucker Carlson. So Blake Masters lost. It wasn't close. Maybe a little closer than people thought. But Blake Masters got embarrassed in his election. This was just the other day when Blake Masters knew he was going to lose. Again, more of the election denying, and it's why Blake Masters lost as he appeared on Tucker, the white supremacist Carlson show. Now, Blake Masters joins us now. Blake Masters, thank you so much for coming on. So tell us what you believe happened in some cases to ballots in Maricopa County, Arizona. Well, first of all, Tucker, we're in a dogfight here in Arizona. My race will be very, very close. It's going to be decided by a few thousand votes either way. So there's hundreds of thousands of ballots outstanding, and they haven't been counted yet, which right. apparently is hard for Maricopa County. No, it's not. It's not hard for Maricopa County. You lost. Kerry Lake lost. And the reason why you both lost is not because your opponent was this wonderful candidate. It's because you guys are crazy. You're liars. You're Trump election denying idiots. That's why you lost. But hey, the toner in a printer went down. So let's redo. Let's let's recount everything. I mean, these people are so stupid. They're such morons. And Fox News is so dangerous. And I'll tell you a little bit about what I am talking about. Sean Hannity and many of the hosts on Fox News lie every day. But we're not talking about harmless lies. We're talking about attacks on our democracy. And we're talking about People lying right to your face every day. And I'll give you a perfect example of it right now. Now, a lot of Republicans and a lot of Republican pundits were saying that there was going to be this red wave. But Fox News was at the forefront of that. Sean Hannity said on his show yesterday that he didn't even know where this red wave talk came from. I am going to play you nothing but clips from hosts on Fox News claiming that there was going to be a red wave. Meanwhile, you have Sean Hannity on his show yesterday saying he doesn't know where this red wave nonsense came from. Listen to this. Can't say for sure where the rumors of the red tsunami started because polls in almost every key race were within the margin of error. Red wave rising. That is the focus of tonight's angle. It's, it's going to be a wave election and you're going to lose the Senate. And I'll bet you $1,000 right now. The knives are being sharpened right now for Joe Biden. You know, Democrats are going to get crushed on November 8th because a red wave is coming. But I'm betting that Joy will learn two new words on Tuesday. It's red wave. How big could that looming red wave get? We begin this Sunday morning with expectations of a red wave this Tuesday. I think this election is going to be a red wave. I think we're going to win. You know what? I, I think, you know, your predictions of a red wave are accurate. And the reason I say that is because now even the mainstream media is catching up. We've been hearing, is it going to be a red wave? Is it going to be a red tsunami? I think it's going to be a red hurricane. When the red wave comes and it is coming, Joe Biden's political utility is over. Are we in for a red wind here or a red wave? Red wave or red tsunami? What are you feeling today? I'm feeling red wave. And don't listen to the lies they're spewing that this could take days or days, you know, to know who won. This is total BS. 
A wave like this, we should know that, that, that night, basically, who won the Senate and the House. Anything that happens Wednesday into Thursday is gravy. And right out the back door, I've got a tropical storm brewing right right now. I think they're saying could be a Category 1 by the end of the day. However, let me tell you what is a storm, that red wave. I'm telling you, if there's any indication based upon what we're seeing this morning, somebody made a surfboard and said the red wave is coming. <laughs> Sean Hannity looked into the camera yesterday and said, quote... I don't know where this red wave rumor came from. Sean Hannity said that. One of the faces, larger faces, of Fox News. I just played you clips from every employee on air, pretty much, on Fox News that predicted a red wave was coming. And yet Sean Hannity has the gall to look at the camera and speak to all of you and say he doesn't know where this came from. And by the way, when Sean Hannity had Carrie Lake on, when Sean Hannity had Dr. Oz on, he predicted all, they would all win. He was wrong because he's a biased boob. That's why. He lied to all of you, and they lie to all of you every day. It's okay to have opinions, right? But when you say you don't know where these rumors came from, and basically every on-air host on your network claimed that a red wave was coming, it's not even about being disingenuous. We know that, uh, that that he's disingenuous. He's a liar. Every day he lies on his program. And yet many of you buy into it. I don't understand why. I think Howard Stern said it best. Now, for many of you that know me and know me well, you know that I got into the radio business because of Howard Stern, because I think his show is... Uh, one of the most entertaining, if not the most entertaining radio show on the planet. I always have felt that way about him. He, he didn't really talk a lot about politics the first 25 years of his career. He does a little bit more now, but he does in a very general, general way. And Howard Stern made some comments about Election Day, and he made some comments yesterday about the results of, of the elections. And I think he said it best, and I know he did. He said it in a very normal, generic way. His thoughts on the results of these midterms. Here's what Howard Stern had to say about it. World's just become so nutty. All I can tell you is the one glimmer of happiness I had, and I said this earlier, was the elections, the midterm elections, because I think crazy got voted down for the most part. Yes, there's still crazy. There's still a lot of people voting for crazy. Don't get me wrong, but. At the end of the day, I was glad enough Americans stood up and said, you know what? I, I When somebody, when a poli mainstream politician from one of the two parties gets up and says the elections are fixed with no evidence and they just keep repeating it, doesn't matter. I don't have any evidence, but I know they're fixed. When I lose, they're fixed. That's when crazy has to, you cannot be a part of a party. I was hearing a statistic this it's crazy. morning. It said 29% of people who voted said the reason they voted was to oppose the pro-Trump candidates because they believe in democracy. That's right. That's why a lot of the crazy lost. And I was glad to see it. I got really nervous with some of this nuttiness. You know, Donald comes out, I won the election. Okay, you got proof? No, I don't. But I mean, I got proof, but we're going to go, you know, but there is no proof. And I don't care. I don't have to play by the rules and 
I can take documents, I, you know, all the crazy, you know, and then these other politicians go over and they, they start in with the same crazy. Donald Trump won the election. Elections can't be trusted. It's all fake. Fake news. At some point, you got to say, hey, things are getting a little scary. When people are saying no more free elections. That, that guy running for governor somewhere said, if I win, Republicans will never lose in another election. You got to go. That's crazy. That's craziness. Why are they all buying into this? You know, you got to be reasonable no matter what party you're from. So I think crazy lost in the last uh, last week. And I felt good about that. Well, you know, the thing that bothers me a bit is that, you know, Ron DeSantos, he he won big. Santis. Santis, whatever his name is. Uh, I should learn it because he might be president one day. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. Howard Stern's 100 percent right. This is the reason why there was no red wave. The reason why there was no red wave is because of the election deniers, the Trumpers out there that continue to spew lies and hatred and the abortion issue. The overwhelming majority of people in this country believe in a woman's right to choose. But the alt-right morons out there call women who get legal abortions murderers. It's wrong. It's disgusting. That's why many of these Republicans lost. That's why Kerry Lake lost. Now, listen, there'll be lawsuits. They'll be bitching and complaining about how the election was stolen with no evidence to back up any of their claims. Just like back in 2020 with Donald Trump, I would imagine Adam Laxalt will not concede. Kerry Lake certainly won't concede. And a lot of these election deniers are going to embarrass themselves. And it does hurt our democracy. It is an attack on our democracy. It is an embarrassment. And it's wrong. And it's disgusting. This is why Jim Marchant lost. This is why Adam Laxalt lost. This is why Michelle Fiore lost. This is why Segal Chata lost. I'm going local now. This is why Sam Peters lost. The economy is not doing great right now. Inflation is a problem. Imagine if we didn't have inflation right now. Imagine if the economy was going good. I don't think a Republican across the country would have won. So Howard Stern is 100% correct. He's right. And I got to tell you, I have my, uh, you know, I've said about Joe Lombardo, I, I, I'm not a big fan of his. I said, listen, the sky's not going to fall. But my, it's funny because yesterday I went on the air and I said, my problem with Joe Lombardo is he doesn't want to be challenged. And I don't like what he did with the Las Vegas Sun saying he wanted to take down that organization because they don't write nice articles about him. That's dictatorship. And now we're learning that there are reporters that were not allowed into his acceptance speech to cover it. Members of the media, at least one reporter from the Las Vegas Sun. By the way, folks, let's be honest here. That was not by accident. They're claiming, oh, there wasn't enough room. There was plenty of room for one reporter to go in there and just cover the, the, the event. That is a lie. That is a blatant lie. That is what a dictatorship looks like. Steve Sislak didn't stop any Republican reporters or right-wing reporters from covering anything. But Joe Lombardo already has started. That needs to stop. We need to be concerned about that. And that needs to stop right now. That is my concern with Joe Lombardo. He doesn't want to be challenged on anything. If somebody writes bad articles, uh, what he considers a bad negative article, or somebody that challenges him on something like I have, won't do the radio show. Don't want anything to do with you. I am worried about that. That is the part of Joe Lombardo as the next governor of this state that worries me. A dictatorship. You can't challenge me on anything, and members of the media can't cover what I'm doing. 
if I don't like them. That is a page from the Donald Trump playbook. And to be honest with you, that is my biggest issue and my biggest concern when Lombardo takes over as governor. It's not even really policy. I mean, I don't agree with all of his policies, but it's not even about that for me. It's about, I'm Joe Lombardo, and if you don't like me, you don't get to cover my event. This was not a situation where somebody didn't RSVP to a media event. This was not a situation uh, with Joe Lombardo where uh, there wasn't enough room. Because, yeah, I'm sure there were a thousand reporters that were dying to hear what Joe Lombardo had to say in his acceptance speech. Not the case. And by the way, I spoke to people that were at his acceptance speech. There would have been plenty of room for a few more reporters just to be in the room to cover his acceptance speech. They are lying right away before Lombardo is even in office. That should concern all of you. Freedom of speech? Sure. Freedom of the press. Whatever happened to that? It's the stuff that Donald Trump did back in the day. That can't happen. People have a right to their opinions about you. They have a right to to write certain articles about you. But he's already not allowing a Las Vegas Sun reporter into an event, an important event, because it was his acceptance speech. My understanding is that they allowed a Las Vegas Sun photographer in, but they didn't allow a reporter. And I got to tell you, that is very concerning to me. And I said it yesterday before even knowing this story. I said yesterday, what's my biggest concern with Joe Lombardo? Don't act like a dictatorship. Freedom of the press. He's already started. That can't happen. Now, I'm not Joe Lombardo, but if he's going to claim he had no part of this and, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't the case, then he should put out an apology. I'm sorry to the Las Vegas Sun reporter that wasn't able to uh, cover my acceptance speech. That won't happen in the future. Okay, no problem then we won't worry about it. But it did happen. There was no apology. We know that Joe Lombardo sent text messages to Stephen Klubeck, who is a billionaire Democrat donor. And in those text messages, which Stephen Klubeck released, in those text messages, Lombardo said he wanted to take down the Las Vegas Sun and Greenspun. Why? Oh, because he didn't like them. He didn't like the articles that they wrote about, about Lombardo. That is the definition of a dictatorship, that type of way of thinking. That should, that should concern anybody, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. That can't happen. We need to call that out. I don't care if somebody doesn't want to do my little radio show. That I, I don't care about that at all. We are talking about a reporter at one of the two prominent newspapers in Las Vegas. Like it or not, that's what the sun is. It's the sun and the RJ and Lombardo's people. And I'm going to say this was not by accident. This was Lombardo. One of his people at the door, not allowing this reporter to go in to cover the speech. That ladies and gentlemen, is the definition of dictatorship. And it can't be allowed. And if it continues to happen, we all need to call it out. It doesn't matter whether you're a Lombardo supporter or not. That cannot happen. I had different criticisms for Steve Sisolak. I didn't think he was great with the media. doesn't mean he wasn't allowing people access because he didn't like them. I felt like he should have done more press. He should have done more press conferences. He should have done more interviews. That's a different type of criticism. Don't think he ran a great campaign. Lombardo ran a pretty good campaign, but you can't stop people from covering your events just because you don't like them or they don't like you. That's not how the freedom of the press works. It is wrong, and it has to stop now because I find it to be extremely serious.
All right, sponsors of this segment, Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care. They're located at 6125 West Sahara Avenue. No appointment needed. Please give them a call, 702-2480-554. You can visit them online at saharawesturgentcare.com. I was in and out of there in 20 minutes. They did a great job for me. I promise you they'll do a good job for you. Please check them out, Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, why did so many Republicans lose in the state of Nevada? Well, an organization that I've, I've worked with, uh, they do good, good stuff helping veterans, certainly in this state. The organization called Veterans in Politics, they endorsed a lot of Republicans that lost in their local races here. Why? We're going to talk to Jim Jonas next from Veterans in Politics about that and much more. We'll take a quick break. I also open up the phone line, 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of the program, 702-221-7283. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn, that true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? And you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702 708-5555. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams and treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and the latest lines on every game. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards on every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino, Fiesta Wildfire, or the El Cortez. Details at the Sportsbooks. 
Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. By the way, I had a uh, local Republican here in town who I guess ran for state treasurer and, and didn't even win uh, on the Republican side of things. He, uh, he threatened me today and he said he was going to do everything he could to stop Republicans from doing this show. And my response to him was, oh, my God, if I can't get Mike McDonald on this show, this show is over. Oh, God, I don't think I'm going to be able to get any sleep. But you know what? We do have a Republican studio, and I guess this guy didn't reach out to uh, Jim Jonas from uh, Veterans in Politics because he's a Republican and he's doing this show. I've had Stavros Anthony on this show. I had Mark Robertson on this show. I've had plenty of Republicans that ran for office locally that were willing to come on. Uh, we had Guy Nora on the show yesterday because they know, I think some of them at least that have done this show before, that even though I might not agree with them on a lot of issues, I will treat them with respect as long as they treat me with respect. I've worked with the Veterans and Politics Organization. I will do everything I can to help them out whenever I'm asked to, because I'll do anything for veterans. Uh, I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Anyway, with that being said, um, uh, Jim Jones is joining us in the studio from Veterans and Politics. Jim, I do appreciate you being here. How are you? I'm, I'm doing really good. And you are a Republican, and you just, and, and yeah. you, you you came in studio. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, um, well, I, I think that's one of the, uh, big problems that, uh, quite frankly, we have. So I got to ask the other day, uh, how come there wasn't this huge red wave? Mm -hmm. I didn't throw any Republicans under the bus. I just said, well, I think, unfortunately, the culture we're in right now is I don't really see there in the near future there being a red or blue wave necessarily because i think unfortunately we've gotten to the point in this country to where we have icebergs now like you have lake republican and you have lake democrat and they're frozen so there's what do you mean what do you mean you're not talking about Kerry lake are you no oh, no, okay no. <laughs> I'm just like, all right no but what i'm saying what i'm yeah. saying basically is people have gotten to the point now where it's like, if they're Republican, that's it. They're Republican. But Jim, if they're Democrat. I, I hear what you're it. saying, but Jim, like, it's the, the economy's not doing great. Uh, we have inflation. And yeah. you didn't get a red wave. Imagine if the economy was really good and we didn't have inflation. There wouldn't have been any Republicans across the country that would have won, or very few. Right. And I'll tell you why I think that is. <laughs> and you can tell me whether you agree or not. First of all, let's just start locally because, you know, you know a lot of these people personally. You've interviewed yeah. most of them. Okay, Sigal Chata, I'm just going to give you my opinion. Sigal Chata, absolute nut job. When you yeah. say that you want your opponent hanging from a crane, you have no business being in office. She got embarrassed. She lost. Sam Peters, nice guy. Right. I appreciate yeah. his service to this country. I met him at one of your events. Yeah. He lost because he was an election-denying moron. I'm sorry. I'm just going to call for what it is. Right. He refused to say even in a debate. Not that Joe Biden was president. He said that. That's obvious. He right. refused to say that Joe Biden was a free and fair elected president. Right. He lost. Stephen Horsford uh, destroyed him. Mark Robertson, another guy. Right. He came in studio. He was sitting in your chair, and I appreciate him doing that, and I appreciate his service. Yeah. He embarrassed himself on this show. He wouldn't answer very basic questions, uh, and I wasn't trying to get him in gotcha moments, but he just wasn't prepared. Not a good candidate. Right. Um, I look at Jim Marchant, a QAnon nut job. I mean, you can't have QAnon people running in your party. And then, right. you know, I look at Adam Laxalt, and yes, it was close. I thought it would be. Right. 
Yeah. Well, you have 14 members of his own family that wouldn't even support him. Yeah. Again, another election denier. Two reasons across the country that I believe Republicans, they didn't have this red wave and a disappointing outcome for them. The abortion issue was the second most important issue that most people say as Americans. The overwhelming majority of this country believe in a woman's right to choose. The majority, including Republicans see, and see, Democrats. See, honestly, Brian, I think the abortion issue is the number one. Well, the economy was number one, but, you know, it's important. We can agree it's one of the top issues, right? right? We'll agree on that. And I think Republicans shot themselves in the foot. I'm talking about the alt-right crazies out there. I'm not saying you're crazy because you call you're against abortion. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, because I respect that opinion, what I am saying is you're trying to tell all women in this country what to do with their body, and that's crazy. If you don't want to have an abortion, that's fine. So those two issues to me, election deniers out there, morons like Jim Marchant, and then the abortion issue. To me, that's why there was no red wave. Right. What do you do? You agree? Disagree? Yeah. No. Actually, I I agree almost a hundred percent with with what you're saying. I mean, first off, I just wanted to say, hey, congratulations to the Democrats. And I'm a Republican, and I'm not happy with the election results, party wise. Yeah. However, Republicans did it to themselves, and you know, what I, do you mean by that? Well, How did they do it to themselves? Okay. Yeah. So I was explaining this to somebody before the election, months before the election. Soon as the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. I said, there went a red wave. It's done. You're right. And they're it's like, a big problem. Yeah. They're like, what? And I said, and who were the two deciding votes on the Supreme Court? Well, your buddy Trump, he appointed them. And the Republicans, they uh, went for the nuclear option in the yeah. Senate. Yeah, dealt push through these judges, and even when Democrats were in control, there were a lot of Democrats that were pushing Harry Reid very hard to do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And Harry Reid said no, because we're in the majority now. But once we're in the minority, we don't want that to happen. Right. And what you're saying makes a lot of sense. But I I have to ask you this. Uh And I know that you do not necessarily endorse all the people that the organization Veterans in Politics endorse. And by the way. Yeah. And I'm here. And I'm here. This is my own opinion. I understand. But you're still a part of the veterans. Listen, the organization, you do a lot of great things. I've said it time and time again to help veterans. And I appreciate that. And that's why I'm happy to work with you guys. But I have to ask you this. Your organization endorsed Joey Gilbert. Right Now, yeah. Joey Gilbert has been on this show several times, okay. not a serious candidate. You guys did not endorse Joe Lombardo. Right. Joey Gilbert is the epitome of the problem with the Republican Party today. He is an election denier. He is a conspiracy theorist. He was there on January 6th, and I, am su- I was surprised that your organization, not you personally, but your organization endorsed somebody like that. And my question is how and why? Well, again, it's a panel. Um I personally, um, I can't say how I voted in the endorsement process because obviously we we signed non disclosure agreements. But um, yeah, it's it's actually it, it's not just Joey Gilbert. I'm not saying it's just Joey Gilbert, but well, but to he's your a part point, of the big problem. Yeah, well, and election deniers are are a big problem. I mean, think about um, think about it this way, and this is something I want to say to Republicans, right? Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro yeah. is not exactly a liberal. 
Who said Ben Shapiro was a liberal? No, and but, yeah. but I'm getting to it. Ben Shapiro is yeah. not a liberal. Right. Ben Shapiro came out right after the presidential election and completely said, no, it was a legal and fair election. Yeah. But when I get into debates with people, they're always quoting Ben Shapiro. So, no, I, I agree with you. I think election deniers, here's, here's the thing. Even if there were some things that might or might not have went wrong, no one in this country likes a sore loser. Right. Uh, well, of course not. You know what um, I mean? Because that's never been how our country has worked. I agree with you. Nobody likes a sore loser. But I think this is – this is to me, when I think of a sore loser, you know, I think of uh, John McEnroe, right? He's a sore loser. <laughs> yeah, right. But, yeah, but, but, but this is worse loser. than that. To me, a sore loser is like, okay, Carrie Lake lost and now she's going to bash her opponent. You're being a sore loser. Right. To me, this is more serious than being a sore loser because you're attacking our democracy and now you're lying, right? Right. Um, a sore loser is after a basketball game saying, oh, the refs, the, you know, they, they blew the game for us. Right. But this is attacking our democracy. Yeah. This is very, very serious stuff. And that's why I take it very seriously. Yeah. Sore loser, yeah, you know, you lose a little respect for right. being a sore yeah. loser. But, yeah. um, you know, not conceding, for example. If you don't concede and you don't claim that there was cheating going on, you just don't want to concede, you're a sore loser. Steve Sisolak, and I know your boy Steve Sanson, I'm happy to have him come in. I know he's not a fan of Steve Sisolak, and that's fine. But nobody can convince me otherwise. Steve Sisolak, in the most important hour, showed class. Because not only did he concede, but he called the Joe Lombardo camp. And he said, listen, I'm here for you if you need anything. I wish you the best of luck. Because that's what a decent human being does. And Laxalt hasn't conceded. Many of the Republicans, like the Kerry Lakes, will not concede. I guarantee you Kerry Lake will never concede. Right. To this day, Donald Trump has not conceded the 2020 election. In fact, he continues to lie about the election. There's a fine line in politics. And I think if Republicans want to gain a little bit of respect, they need to take a page from Steve Sislock's playbook as far as how he handled the loss. He conceded. He, uh, you know, peaceful transfer of power. He's there to help. He also praised the, the, the democracy, praised the process. Not one peep out of him or any Democrat in the country about how Republicans cheated. And plenty of Republicans won across the country, but I haven't heard one Democrat say the Republicans cheated. This was an unfair election. To me, that speaks volumes about where both parties are at right now. And uh, Okay. So you want me to disagree with you on that? Sure. I, I agree 100%. No, I mean, I, I've been, I've been yeah. screaming it from the rooftops. Yeah. You so, know, and that's why... It's interesting, before I came in, my mm-hmm. brother's like, because you've met my brother, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, why are you, all you're going to do is piss Republicans off. And I'm like, well, that's not the point. I'm not trying to piss Republicans off. What I'm trying to say is, if you want the party back, yeah. and I do, and, and I want the Republican Party back, I want the Republicans to be a strong party. Right. I want the Democrats to be a strong but party. Jim- we need two parties. But the Republicans are going to continue right. to lose elections until they your do brother, exactly what you To what said. your brother said, I want to – and I agree with you. I, I want to make a statement there. Right. To ignorant Republicans, you're going to piss them off. Right. Stupid Republicans that are not living in reality. Yeah, you'll probably piss them yeah. off. And I don't but care. To, That's why I'm here. Right. But reasonable Republicans, right. intelligent yeah. Republicans with decency that are understanding – Hey, what went wrong and what do we need to do to do better? Right. They will listen to people like you. You know why? Because you're right. That's why. Yeah. You're right. Republicans didn't have the day they wanted to have, not because they didn't campaign great or, you know, 
not because of of issues that uh, you know it's because of a couple reasons and i've talked about this before yeah. and you've mentioned it the election deniers the conspiracy yeah. theorists nut jobs and i will also say this you can complain about policies put forth by Joe Biden and the Democrats, but I want to hear solutions. I will tell you, I didn't hear a lot of solutions either. They're going to, uh, you know, attack uh, Joe Biden when it comes to the border issue, which is an issue, by the way. Right. Well, You're going to attack, yeah. you know, it's the same thing with Obamacare, right? Trump, I heard it for four years and Republicans complaining about Obamacare, but they didn't have a replacement plan. If you're going to complain about the Democrats... Right. Or specifically, if you're going to complain about the Joe Biden administration, and listen, there's plenty of blame that can go around here. Joe Biden's far from perfect. I'll be the first one to admit that. Then you have to be able to come up with a solution to a problem. And all I hear from Republicans, especially the the talking points on Fox News and Newsmax is, oh, we have a problem at the border and our immigration problem. And, you know, we have health care and inflation. What are your solutions? And and that's that's a big issue. Right. Well, let me tell you okay, just a brief story. So yep. I ran for the uh, assembly in 2008, and I went in front of a group. It was, uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's still active anymore, but it was the uh, National Hispanic Republican Association. And I was asked a bunch of questions about immigration. Well, you know, I perfectly honest, I tried to dodge the question. Because I was like, hey, as a state assembly person, I don't have no control over immigration. Right. But they pushed me on it, and they said, okay, what's your opinion? I said, okay, here's my opinion. Why is it so difficult to become a legal citizen in the United States? Yeah, it's a good what, question. How, how can yep. we don't just overhaul the the work visa program? Right. Why is it that we have... You have to have a lawyer and take five, sometimes ten years mm-hmm. to become a citizen of a country that was built on immigration. It's a very it's, valid question. It's yeah. a, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Let's streamline it. So I get Republicans and Democrats should be able to work together to be able to fix exactly. that problem. I yeah. almost did not get out of that room alive because mm-hmm. this is what the association told me. They said I had to do it. They have to do it. Yeah. I said, but didn't it suck for yeah. you? It, it, aren't we trying I'm to so progress? I'm so sick of that. I am, it, aren't Jim, we trying to progress I'm to be so a better glad you, country? I'm so glad you brought that up because I am so sick of that attitude. You yeah. bring a very valid question to the table. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I'll, I'll go to the student loan subject, right? A lot of right. people yeah. that say, oh, I had to pay my student loans, right. so you right. should too. Listen, I understand why some people might find that uh, to be not fair. Right. But we are trying to improve this country. Just because exactly. you suffered back then doesn't mean that – People today should have to suffer, and that's another issue. Uh, I want to bring this up because sure. it's a it's a poignant moment that I remember. And again, I like your organization. There's I've met a lot of good people, by the way, from veterans and politics. I really have. Yeah. Um. And I'm happy to you know do. It's not like I'm I'm not attacking veterans in politics. I wouldn't do that. But I I you know I was the moderator of your gubernatorial. Yeah, uh, I remember. Yeah, that. the yeah. event that you guys held where you yeah. had twelve people up there, uh-huh. and I made some nice friends there. By the way, twelve people yeah. running for governor, right? Yeah. I think all Republicans and maybe one independent was up there, from what I recall. And one of the women on your panel asked yeah. what I believe to be a ridiculous question because she was asking it for other reasons, I think. But she said, "Do you believe Donald Trump won the two thousand and twenty election?" And I'm like, "Oh boy, here we go." Yeah. And as the moderator. I think as a moderator to any debate, yeah. you don't want to inject opinion, which I didn't do. Right. You want to just spell out facts. Nine out of the 12 people, nine out of the 12, said they believed, including Dean Heller and Joey Gilbert what? and Guy Nora, 
believed that Donald Trump won the 2020 election. Well, it's called pandering. Yeah. So what I did That's what they were doing. in a very respectful way, when they were done answering the questions, I said, it's my job as the moderator to report, to, to, to speak fact versus fiction. There is no evidence of widespread voter fraud that would have changed the outcome of the election. And I had people screaming at me. I had people yelling at me. And for all the dopes, and yes, that's what I'm going to call, I know you didn't do that. And I know Steve Sanson didn't do that. I know you guys wouldn't do that to me. But for the dopes that were there that day, that were screaming and yelling at me, you're the reason why your party didn't do well. That is the reason. And if you actually took the time to listen to my statement, and if you said, Brian, you're right, you know, Trump lost, then maybe your party would have done better. Those people yelled at me. They screamed at me. One person that was up there on the panel, I don't even remember, no, I'm sorry, one person on the panel and one person that was running for governor said, get him out of there, get him out of there. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. who they were. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and the truth of the matter is the people that got out of there was every single person in that room. Not one person in that room won. Not one person in that room. It was sure. Joe Lombardo that that got out of the room because Lombardo wouldn't have answered the question that way. I don't like Joe Lombardo any more than you don't you don't like him. I know Steve Sanson is not a, a huge fan of Lombardo, right. but the man wouldn't have answered the question that way. He would not have said Trump won. It's a difference when you want, you want to talk about election integrity and all that stuff. It's interesting right. too, right? Because you know there are Republicans that want across the country. Right. So yeah. for the Republicans out there that want to say the elections were fraud, well, what about the Republicans that won? Were those okay? It's only it's only the Democrats that can cheat. And I'm telling you, Jim, that thought process and the way I was treated that day is the reason why there was no red wave. That's one of the main reasons, in my opinion. I again, I I, I don't disagree with you on that. Um, one of the one of the things that I think now again talking about let let's talk about solutions. Though. Okay, sure. So with uh, mail-in ballots, mm-hmm. okay. A lot of people, mostly election deniers, right? Republicans. Are, <laughs> are freaked out about mail-in ballots. Why? And for me, I'm like, no. I said, let's 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 dock it off with being freaked out about mail-in ballots. But let's propose a solution. Why do you think they're freaked out? I think they're freaked out because Republicans like Donald Trump tell them not to mail-in ballot. Well, I, I, I <laughs> can I well, that's part of it. I yeah. it will because we'll think about uh Adam Laxalt. He was ahead, and then he ended up losing because largely the mail-in ballots came back. They weren't fraudulent ballots. Right. He legitimately lost on election night. I told him so at Red Rock. I said, yeah, you're done. You lost. What did he say? And he was like, oh, no, we're ahead. And I said, (laughs) not when those mail-in ballots come back. First of all, you're a much smarter guy than Adam Laxalt. Let's just put a little perspective into this. Laxalt's a guy that failed out of college. Uh, yeah. he's a, he's a failure, uh, lived off the coattails of his dad. Anyway, uh, so I'm not surprised so, the anyway, answer. So like here's, a, here's a solution about mail-in ballots because this is the number one complaint. Yeah. This election cycle that I heard. Well, it just seems ironic to me <laughs> that so-and-so was ahead and now all of a sudden after the mail-in ballots come back, yeah. they're behind. Stupidity. So I'm like, okay, here. Let's solve that problem. Mm-hmm. I got my mail-in ballot uh, four days before early voting ended. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, why don't we just do this with mail-in ballots? Instead of saying they have to be postmarked by the 8th, let's set that as for this election cycle, postmarked November 4th yep. in Nevada. Then they would have been able 
theoretically, to be yeah. processed sooner, right? Don't have a problem with that. Uh, so but then, what would have happened is a lot of these Democrats would have had the lead early, and then it would have gotten a lot closer. But right, yeah. But I'm just saying, as a as a culture, right, we're so in tune now yeah. to where everything's got to be instant. I agree. You know what I'm and saying? And Jim, I think you'll agree with me um, that it's more important to wait a little while and get it right. But I also yeah. agree, no, with, I agree you, with you. On that. We can improve things. Right. There's a difference between having the conversation that right. we're having yeah. now and trying to come up with ways to make things a little faster and then yeah. saying that the election was stolen, right? What well, we're talking about is, sure, I'm with you. Uh, you have to give people an opportunity to mail-in vote. Uh, right. You can't ab- abolish that. Uh, yeah. That's absurd. There are people that don't want to get out there and vote in person. Mm. If they want to vote in person like I did, all the power to them. Yeah. I don't have a problem with what you just right. said. Let's make it a week earlier, but the messaging needs to be out there because the problem is right, there's right. going to be people that I are going to uh, put I it agree. in late, and, and, and then we're going to have issues there. So you have to be very careful with that. Yeah, right. But, and that's why I'm saying let's start now. Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, that I mean, that would be – but again, just getting back to – I'm not saying it's the perfect solution. I'm just saying it's what you and I are talking sure, about. Sure, Let's propose a solution mm-hmm. and then intelligent people yep. can have an intelligent conversation, right. come to a conclusion, and have enough time to get that out to the public, mm-hmm. right? That's how you solve problems in this country. I don't even know if – the mail-in balloting is a problem per se. Some people perceive it as a problem because they don't want to wait an extra three, four, or five days okay. for a result. I, yeah, and I can even go further, which I'm really going to get in trouble on this one. Um, so talk about Jim Marchant for a second. First oh off, oh not, not a fan. <laughs> that no, makes just, two of us. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to tell you perfectly honestly. Uh, yeah. I I was full on for Richard Scotty. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. Does he have flaws? Yes, we all do. But Jim Marchant, no, I'm... I'm happy as pig shit. When I call, excuse me. When, when I call Richard Scotty more moderate uh, than somebody, that's uh, yeah, that's saying yeah, something. Yeah, right, I don't right. like. I didn't like Richard Scotty's opinions on a lot of different things, right, including right. COVID. But yeah. even he is not the nut job that Jim Marchant yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, right. So, um, so I, 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 I was fine with Jim Marchant losing, but that's what I mean about just uh, proposing some some solutions. But to even get myself in more trouble at the Republican Party, they're complaining, and and I know, and I'm not going to name their names, but I know who they are within the party. They've been saying for years, do away with the machines. When Dean Heller was Secretary of State, that was the big drive in the Republican Party. We need to do away with the machines because... Uh, who knows what's happening with those chips and maybe they're manipulated. <laughs> that's and, absurd. And there's no chain. Of those are the, that's like saying there are Martians coming down and probing right. me in the middle of the night. There's so, no evidence to prove so that. So Dean Heller said, yeah. fine, you want paper ballots? Fine. Yeah. After you, after you, uh, vote on the machine, then there's a paper printout. Right. Now these same people are saying they don't like mail-in ballots. I'm like, well, hold on a second now. You want to do away with machines and you want to go to an all-paper ballot system. You think it took a long time to get these results back. See yeah. how effing long it takes to get those back. Why is it Excuse they don't me. understand that? If, we, if, we, if we're not using machines, it's going to take weeks. Because we've gotten to a point as a Republican Party. Yeah. And some people on the left are this way too. To where common sense doesn't matter anymore. Or truth. <laughs> There's, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's part of it too. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say all Republicans are liars. I don't think I am. 
No, I would never make that statement either. But, but, uh, but I'm just saying. But election deniers are. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and it's about it's about getting a clique of people yeah. together and pay forty, eighty, a hundred dollars yep. for a dinner to raise money. Right. So you can sit around the same people I've been seeing since two thousand seven whining about how Democrats are the devil. Okay, well, guess what? This turn Nevada red crap has been going on since 2008, and that has not happened. A really scary statistic, in the Assembly this year, there was 14 uncontested races in the yeah. state Assembly. Mm -hmm. Republicans won zero. Hmm. There was six state Senate races. Republicans won Zero. Here's another stat, and I think you probably already know this. So thing. shame on Mike McDonald for that. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to call out Jesse Lai. He's new. This was his yeah. first cycle. Yeah. But Mike McDonald has been the well, state party chair for freaking ten plus years. Well, I met I met Jesse Law at one of your events, and uh, we got into it on social media. And again, he's another Trumper. Uh, you know, and 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 it's hard for me to take anybody seriously. I'm, I'm just saying I'm going to give yeah. him the benefit of the doubt yeah. because this I'm was sure he's a nice guy, like, but oh, you know, he. he's not willing to and say. And so any is Mike McDonald personally. I'm just yeah. saying results matter. And if your party keeps getting its ass kicked in elections and you're the state party chair at some point, well, hello, I, it's hard for me to take anybody seriously that cannot say anything negative about Donald Trump. Mike McDonald and Jesse Law are two people in this city that refuse to hold Donald Trump accountable for anything. But I want to talk to you about that when we come back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Let's do that. That's all right. So let's take a break. When we come back, we're joined by Jim Jonas. He's going to stick around for another segment from Veterans in Politics. He is calling out his own party, which I appreciate. I appreciate it when anybody can be intellectually honest and we can have good conversations on how to solve problems for the good of the country. And I appreciate that. I'm going to ask him when we come back, does he think Donald Trump should run in 2024? Uh, we'll talk about that and we'll maybe talk a little bit more on the national landscape when we come back. We'll take a quick break. We'll take your phone calls, too, on the other side. If you want to be a part of this conversation, the number to call, 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of the conversation, now is the time to do it. Give us a buzz, 221-7283. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Welcome back. It's Pushing uh, the Limits right here on KSHP, hour number two. By the way, coming up at the bottom of the hour, UNLV head men's basketball coach Kevin Kruger will be joining us. 21st ranked team in the country in town tonight. Big game uh, against Dayton at home. So that's going to be a fun one. I want to tell you guys about my favorite gaming bar in Las Vegas. Of course, I'm talking about Jackson's Bar and Grill. November promos, Sundays, you get $50 free play if you earn 200 points, and Tuesdays and Thursdays, today's Tuesday, you get a free bottle of wine if you earn 200 points. Some restrictions apply. Don't forget Vegas Golden Knights games, uh, the sound and pass the puck, TVs and sound there, and the pass the puck contest, you went up to $100 in free play per period just for playing. Jackson's Bar and Grill located at Flamingo and Jones. Please check them out. Tell them I sent you. We got Jim Jonas in studio. Apparently, the guy that uh, I was talking about that threatened me uh, that he, I couldn't get Republicans on my show. I guess he didn't get to you yet. No. Uh, we were having a little conversation off the air about that guy who threatened me. And, uh, well, I guess I'll leave it at that. I don't know if you want to add anything to that. But, uh, no, yeah. I'm, no. I'm <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to give name recognition to people that don't need it. That's true. They, they don't deserve that's it. That's true. But let's just say the same person that we are both talking about, we are not very fond of. And we, right. can, we, yeah. can li we can leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, Jim uh, from Veterans in Politics joining us here, Republican, and he's, he's calling out his own party with criticisms, which I appreciate. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit now on the uh, national scale. Okay. Um, Donald Trump, 
He's expected to announce today, expected, that he will be running for president of the United States in 2024. What is your reaction to that? Uh, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I, I think, uh, Donald Trump is too much of a narcissist not to. Um, am I happy about it? No. I'm not happy about it because here's the thing. I don't think, um, I, I just really honestly don't believe that it will, uh, the Republican primary on the presidential side will be very active because of Donald Trump. Cause here's the thing. Even if, if you ran against Donald Trump in a primary, uh, he's going to trash you so bad and come up with all kinds of craziness and cost you a ton of money to try to disprove that, that it's going to be almost impossible for you to win a general election. Do you believe that he is one of the people that is should be held accountable for why there was no red wave? Well, yeah. Yeah. Not, not according to him, though. He said that – he said in an interview that – Everybody that he backed, if they win, right? Okay. So if they win, they should thank him. But if they lose, it's not his fault. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, that's a ridiculous statement, but we're used to ridiculous statements right. from Donald Trump. Let's open up the phone lines. 702-221-7283. Question, comment. We have uh, Jim Jonas in studio. Uh, I promise I won't uh, mix him up with the Jonas Brothers. I promise I'll try not to do that. He is with Veterans in Politics, uh, and we're taking your phone calls, your thoughts on the midterms, the elections. Uh, Jim has had some criticisms for his own party, and I think they're very fair and honest, and I appreciate that. And I really uh, agree with him on, on on just about everything that he's, that he's called out. When, when it comes to his party. Again, that number to call, 702-221-7283. Let's go to John. John, what's going on, man? Hey, Jim. I'm a, uh, a proud liberal Democrat. Uh, I'm not uh, too familiar with you, but I'll have you know, sir, that yesterday I went to Costco and I bought a box of popcorn that contains 44 packages and for the past six years, we've had to live with this uh, constant threat and anxiety and uh, what the hell are the crazy Republicans going to do next? And you, sir, I think you just might ruin my popcorn eating over the next few months, <laughs> and I'm concerned about it. Uh, I wasn't expecting to wake up today and hear a rational Republican on pushing the limits with uh, the great Brian Shapiro. And uh, as somebody who voted for Ronald Reagan... Uh, where the hell have you been the last six years, Jim? Well, actually, to be honest with you, I just haven't been as vocal as I should have been. Um, and, uh, it's interesting you bring up Ronald Reagan because, uh, uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, I consider it is my favorite president. Uh, do I agree with everything that Ronald Reagan did? Absolutely not. But I, I love the way he was able to, uh, and willing to work with Tip O'Neill. You just hit the nail right on the head. That was the magic of that presidency in America at that time, is the relationship between Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. Yeah. And so I just, I, you know, I'm, uh, honestly, I'm going to work on it. Uh, I, I really am. I just think that we just need to get back to stop the name calling back and forth and, you know, okay, you're not, you know, I get called a rhino on a daily basis. I'm. Wait, hold on. Does that mean I can't call Trump the orange turd anymore? Is that what you're trying to say? 
Hey, you can say whatever you want, but I just, I, I just always love when you know if, if we need decency back. I understand yeah, yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, we need, we need, we need to stop the lies. Uh, you know, if somebody name calls somebody and you're in office, that's beneath the you know office. But we need to stop the lying, the, the election denying, the conspiracy theories, and let's talk about policy. Yeah. Tell me why you don't like this policy, and tell me what your solutions are. I don't even care if I agree with you or not. Right. I'll listen to you as long as you have a solution to a problem or at least you think is a solution then let's have that conversation right yeah well and that's actually it's interesting when they call it politics yeah i mean if you if you really break down the term politics yeah the first paul i always consider it policy yeah no no i agree john do you have a message for carrie lake because i think she's going to need some tissues today yeah she's gonna she she's She's auditioning for uh, to become Trump's uh, running mate. Probably. And, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I thought Trump was going to announce today. Uh, he I is. guess Ivanka is. is having cold feet standing next to him while he. Uh, no, I, uh, I, the announcement is made at uh, six p.m. our time. He's supposed to be making an announcement, so I would imagine he will probably do that tonight. Okay, so well, there goes decency out the window. Yeah. I mean, until this guy uh, gets removed from the Republican Party, uh, we're just, we're just, it's just a pipe dream, and my, I'm going to be able to enjoy all 44 bags <laughs> of my popcorn. <laughs> all right, John, appreciate because it. Guys are going to implode, and it's just going to be, uh, I can't swear, but uh, an S storm is coming from the Republican Party, and I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. Well, there, there certainly are a party that is discombobulated right now. I agree, John, and I appreciate the call. Good to hear from you. 702. 221-7283. Again, that number, if you want to be a part of the conversation, is 221-7283. Do you agree with that? Do you think there is a blank storm coming for the Republican Party? If they don't grow up, yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, and, yeah. And, and I think, well, and, and to be perfectly honest with you, I know I've been really rough on the Republican Party. Um, But, you know, I'm, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I am very biased on this. I, I am the type of person that, like, honestly... When I talk with uh, a fellow Republican and they say craziness, it, it I, my head wants to explode. How do you think I feel? How but do you think then, I feel? Yeah. But then to to switch it back yeah. when when I hear craziness from a Democrat, I just go. Give me yeah. an example. Help me. Help me. In and out okay, so help me understand this. Is that was kind of going to be my next question? Yeah. Give me an example of a craziness story from a Democrat, either somebody in office right now right. or somebody that you just had a normal conversation with that you would define as craziness. Because from the other side, I talk about election denying and, and you know, that sort of stuff and, and critical race theory and right. indoctrinating all of our kids like teachers are doing that across the country. That's what I call craziness on the right. Give me an example of some. I'm sure you can. There are some examples. Yeah. Give me an example of something that really frustrates you with Democrats today, right now. Okay. Uh, one of the things that really bugs me about Democrats right now is this whole that if we open up competition in the schools, then basically we're giving up on public education. And as far as competition, as far as as, as far as charter schools right, or okay. ESAs, I'm a huge fan of ESAs. Right. I, I for the life of me, I don't understand why anybody would be against that. Yeah. Now, I do know uh, several teachers that are democrats that have said yeah the problem is is i work in a tier one school and it's already hard enough to recruit teachers in here yeah i don't know if i would you define I mean? that as crazy i find that to i understand what you're saying yeah. i would define that as a policy difference listen public education in this country is a joke all the way down i'll go right. start at elementary school and go up to college uh right. the prices for pay 
for someone to go to school, to go to college is ridiculous. And that's where I agree with Joe Biden and Democrats when it comes to uh, forgiveness with these loans. Why should a rich businessman like a Sam Peters or a Mark Robertson uh, get forgiveness on their loans, but yet they're against bunch of young uh, 23, 24, 25-year-olds that are struggling to make payments. That's the part I understand. All right, give me another example. Like, what? Give me another example of why you can't be a Democrat, why Democrats frustrate the hell out of you today in 2022. Well, I mean, for me, honestly, it's like I see myself as being a social moderate and a, a conservative monetarily. Okay. But that's – Democrats, as far as policy goes – they're, they're totally fine with higher taxes and more restrictions well, on other people. They're not. And a, I'm talking specifically about. But you I, think Democrats want higher taxes for everybody? I believe that most Democrat um, politicians do. Democrat people, no. Interesting. Because my, my thoughts on that is from what I get from most Democrats across the country is they certainly do not want tax breaks for the rich. The criticism I hear from Republicans is, is that they, they, they do want tax breaks for the rich. What Donald Trump did, most people that I well, talk that, to. That's just a difference in yeah. economic theory though, yeah. right? I don't believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't believe that the overwhelming majority of Democrats want to raise taxes for middle-income families or, or people that are struggling in this country. No, I don't think they do either. But yeah. the problem is, is there's only two economic systems. Right. You you have command economics or you have Keynesian economics. Yeah. You either insert money into the bottom and work up or you do it yeah. at the top. I actually think down. it's the opposite for I Democrats, I though. Do I do not I, honestly believe this whole theory, and I heard uh, Joe Biden say it when he was running and yeah. uh, Obama Shouted it from the rooftops. We're going to grow the economy from the middle out. Mm -hmm. That, that, that's just, if you talk to any economist, they're going to tell you that I think humanly this, impossible to do. But this is where I agree with Democrats. First of all, I do think we need to raise minimum wage. I don't think we need to make it $15 an hour, okay. but, uh, you know, I think Bernie Sanders is a little bit of an extreme there. Yeah. But I don't think in some parts of the country making seven fifty an hour is fair. I'm not saying a 16-year-old working at McDonald's should be making $20 an hour right. either. But Republicans constantly do not want to raise minimum wage. They just don't want to do it. See, and you brought up you brought up a very good point. See, that's what that's the problem with what's going on in politics right now. See, that's a legitimate debate that we could have. I don't think minimum wage should be $7 an hour either, right. but I don't agree it should be 15 or 20 Somewhere in the middle. Somewhere so, in the middle. So we yeah. can figure that out. The problem is, is that neither side wants to engage yeah. in that. Like, all right, so, so – you don't necessarily agree with Democrats when it comes to tax policy, I guess. Right. Yeah. You don't necessarily agree with Democrats when it comes to uh, educating our kids. Right. Is there anything else where you say to yourself, I could never be a Democrat because of blah, 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 blah? Uh, no, actually. Well, foreign policy, foreign, uh, Democrats with foreign policy throw me off a little. Like, like, okay, so let's talk about Ukraine. I hear okay. a lot of yeah. Republicans who say Joe Biden is going to start a nuclear war, which is ridiculous. I don't understand what they want from Joe Biden. We have given a lot of aid to Ukraine. There's no question about that. But yeah. they are also fighting the evil, murderous regime and dictator, which is Vladimir Putin. Right. 
I don't have a problem with it. I know a lot of people say, well, we need to protect our own. Okay, we can do both. We can do both. I don't have a problem with it. A lot of criticism from Republicans is that, uh, you know, Joe Biden is starting a nuclear war. No, not true. You know who's starting? If we do have a nuclear war, which hopefully that doesn't happen, but if we do, it's Vladimir Putin and it's the Russians. It's not Zelensky in Ukraine. Why do so many Republicans go after Zelensky and they call people Nazis? I just think that in the Ukraine, I find that to be so ridiculous. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And this is one of the reasons, uh, too, why... It, it, the the shift in the Republican Party has frustrated me. Yeah. Because I agree with what you're saying, because that's what I'm hearing, too. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. When 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 has the Republican Party ever become this hardcore isolationist? Mm-hmm. The, the Republicans have never been that way until Trump. And you know what frustrates the hell out of me is that when Trump was on a national stage with Vladimir Putin, he sided with Putin over our own intelligence. When he talked about interference in our elections, um, I just and sending love letters to evil, murderous dictators like Kim Jong Un. Imagine if Barack Obama sent love letters to Assad. I mean, I mean, it, that's what Donald Trump did. Right. How could anybody vote for this man? I just don't understand it. All right, when you say foreign policy, obviously that's a broad term. Right. Give me an example of something that the Biden administration has done when it comes to foreign policy that you disagree with. Well, I just I, I overall like it, it, more with foreign policy. It more has to do with how the. Mil- I, and I know we talked about this last time I was on, but mm-hmm. how the exit of Afghanistan. Let's talk about that. You know, you it's know, a fair that, conversation. That, have. Let's have that. that. Okay. All right. So, so this is a conversation I've had with a lot of Republicans, right? Yeah. So Donald Trump's policy was no different than Joe Biden. In fact, he wanted to get out even earlier. True. So we know that if that happened, sadly, we would have lost lives. And, and two, one veteran is too many. But what I tell people, and I don't discount those lives that were lost, it was 12, right? Yeah. I don't discount that by any means. But can you name me a war where we withdrew and no troops were lost? Because I can't. Right. I, I think the thing that uh, frustrated me about it, mm-hmm. uh, and again, unfortunately, like it, it, it's terrible. I mean, in war, you're going to lose troops. Like Afghanistan... You know, because I kind of agreed with going to Afghanistan. Uh, we don't have enough time for me to tell you how bunch of a cluster F. But I you do, you do know Iraq though. Iraq was. It but was. I'm just talking more yeah. about like the overall exit strategy of why didn't we um, keep troops? Keep troops, some sort. Yeah. Like kind of like for example, looking Germany. back, looking you back know. on it, there's yeah. no question that. Yeah. We should have kept troops there. But what yeah. I continue to tell people is that Trump's policy was exactly the same. Yeah. He wasn't going to keep troops there either. So I don't see – me personally, I don't see that as a Democrat issue. I see that as just an American issue. Our yeah, po- right. um, uh, so you know, I don't, I don't see that as a criticism towards Democrats. A lot of people wanted to talk about all the weapons that Joe Biden left for the terrorists. Also not true. He left that for those people in that country – uh, who are our allies, and they deserted those weapons. That was not Joe Biden's fault. It's terrible that we lost those troops, but right. what I also tell people, do you know how many troops we lost in 2019 in Afghanistan under Donald Trump? I think it was 16, but Republicans don't want to talk about that. No, they they want to use these people as political pawns. I think your criticism, there's no question that we could have, the, the withdrawal of troops there could have been done better. There's no question. I don't know if lives would have been saved, but I don't right. think we should have gotten everybody out of there at once. I am glad they're out. I agreed with Donald Trump when he wanted to get those troops out, and I agreed yeah. with Joe Biden. Um, I don't know if that's a Democrat issue. I just think it's more of yeah. you withdraw troops and you, and you're, we're getting out of a war. Right. Sadly, our bra- some brave men and women in uniform are going to die, and one person is way too many. I don't want it to happen, yeah. but I just don't think that was – and this well, is something – Well, an energy policy. Energy policy frustrates me. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what the gas prices are now. 
So you don't look at that as corporate greed. You look at that as Joe Biden's fault. Partially. I, I, I mean, both are true, mm-hmm. obviously. There's been corporate greed forever. Right. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, it's shutting down the pipeline. The thing I... I and the, this whole push towards EVs. Like, I've always believed this. And uh, correct me. I know you're going to think I'm wrong on this. But I've always said that that is the goal of liberals is they want to make it absolutely unaffordable to drive a vehicle to try to bankrupt people or force them to buy EVs. I don't think they're trying to bankrupt people. I think they're trying to help, uh, you know, climate change. And uh, yeah, but I mean, and then I'm again, not a fan of electric vehicles. I drew one. I, I drove one in LA last year, and I absolutely hated it. Yeah. Elon, one of Elon Musk's cars I was driving. Don't yeah. even get me started with that idiot. Um, I don't like electric vehicles. Right. Um, yeah. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Um, and I do want gas prices to drop. But going, alluding to what you just said earlier about energy and, and that sort of thing. I think you're aware of this pretty much throughout the entire world. We have inflation. Gas prices are up oh, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously it's not a Joe Biden problem. Uh, there are a number of reasons, right? Well, there are certain things that are always going to be reciprocal. Obviously the war didn't help. COVID didn't help. And yeah, I can well. guarantee if those two things didn't happen, gas wouldn't be $5 a gallon. What I get frustrated with on the other side of the coin is everybody blaming Joe Biden for gas prices and inflation. And then when I say to them, okay, give me a specific policy. Right. Why gas prices are, are so high under Joe Biden. And they'll talk about the pipeline. And I say, and, and I know you didn't say that you brought up the pipeline, but you are, you, I think you're aware that, that even if he said yes to the pipeline, it wouldn't happen until two years later. And that has no impact on what the gas prices are now. Well, I think you got to ask your question, uh, answer this question though. Sure. Why were gas prices so much cheaper under Trump than they are under Biden? Well, like I just mentioned, we didn't have the war in the Ukraine. And before COVID hit, uh, gas price, and even when we had COVID, nobody was on the roads. But when right. we started to have an economic recovery, at least right. when, okay. from a COVID perspective. Yeah, so um, it's more, yeah. right. Yeah. It's basically a result. I don't like high, high gas prices. Trust me. I don't want high gas prices any more than you do, right? right. But it's not because I'm an independent or a liberal, which I'm not, or any of that. Um, I didn't blame George W. Bush either when gas prices were really high. I didn't like the war in Iraq. Uh, the president really has no say on how much gas is. And, and, and I know some people are like, well, that's not true, Brian. I'm like, okay, well, give me a policy. Um, this is, uh, when you look at, when I say corporate greed in 2000, uh, this past year, uh, the oil refineries and the large companies in, in this country have record profits, record profits. Oh yeah. They, they always do. Yeah. Uh, in these situations when gas oh, prices yeah. are high. Absolutely. So when Joe Biden, you know, went after these, these companies for, right. for the, the price gouging, and then Republicans had a problem with that. And then they said, Oh, you can't do that. That's not the president's job to do, blah, blah. Okay. Well, what do you want him to do then? Right. What do you want him to do? Yeah. The, they are setting the price. Joe Biden is not setting the price. So, you know, listen, there's things you can blame Joe Biden for. I just don't think gas prices are one of them. Right. Um, I'm not a fan of the electric cars, you know. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just not. I'm well, not a fan actually, of- to be perfectly honest with you, if they just come up with a way to dispose of the lithium batteries mm-hmm. once they're used up, I don't have a problem with electric cars. Yeah, cars. I'm just concerned about the disposal, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big problem we have in this country too. Yeah, and it- I don't blame any president for that. Right. I mean, that's just something in, in a perfect world to look at. In a perfect world, would I love us to be reliable on our own oil? Absolutely, hundred percent. I want. To, I don't want to rely on Saudi Arabia. Yeah. I don't want to rely. I don't want to rely on these other countries that I don't trust. In a perfect world, I'm with you, one hundred and fifty percent. We're just not there. And I don't yeah, think a Democrat as president or a Republican as president yeah. is necessarily the answer to that. Right. Um. But um, moving forward now, 
You think Lombardo will be a good governor? I don't see much of a difference between Lombardo and Sisolak, honestly. Neither do I, I. I just really don't. I, I tend to agree with you. Yeah. I don't think the sky is going to fall. Yeah. At the same time, the only thing that really, and I mentioned this in the first segment, that really concerns me about Joe Lombardo, um, I don't want that type of dictatorship. Uh, if you don't like a certain member of the media, they should still be allowed right. to cover one of your press conferences. Well, that, I don't like that. That's very dangerous. I that, don't like that. that. That's part of it. And then I've talked to a lot of former captains of Metro that mm-hmm. retired under Lombardo. And when they were uh, having a crunch with, tr- uh, with uh, officers on the street. Yep. He didn't go to any of his captains or any of his underlings at all and ask for suggestions or solutions. He just automatically came down and said, we're getting rid of the gang unit. We're getting rid of this. We're getting rid of that. We're just going to do it all at once. What about not even showing up to some of the memorials of of his officers who died of COVID? I think that's despicable. Well, the one thing that I will say that I do agree with uh, Joey Gilbert on, no show Joe, that's a legit thing to say. Listen, you know? I thought Joey Gilbert <laughs> should have gone after, I told him this, he should have gone after Lombardo a lot harder, and I thought he yeah, softened yeah. up uh, during those debates, and I think that was his demise. Yeah. That being said, Gilbert got a lot of votes. Yeah. I just want Lombardo to allow the freedom of the press and to not uh, be a dictator. Uh, he's already started. I don't like the fact that a Las Vegas Sun reporter was denied access to his campaign speech, uh, acceptance speech. I don't like that. That sets a very dangerous precedence moving forward, and it's got to stop. But that being said, I like Kevin McMahon a lot. I think he's going to be a very good sheriff. Don't care what his political beliefs are. I think he's very fair. He's yeah. honest, and I think he's yeah. going to be a sheriff. I don't think Joe Lombardo was a great sheriff. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. Well, you're not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> Did, yeah. There's a lot of people that uh, feel the same way. Yeah. And Especially now that he's going to be out of Metro. I've talked to a lot of people on Metro, and, and they feel the same way. But I think, and, and you know, to be fair to Steve Sislak, I know Steve mm-hmm. Sands is not a fan. Yep. Um, I'm not quite a fan anymore just because he kind of just cut everybody off as soon as he became governor. Mm-hmm. That just kind of bugged Bug me yeah. personally. Uh, he well, he's but, not I mean, a great people person. Yeah, well, he's yeah. not. But the one thing that I did like and uh, I did appreciate about Steve is he may not have always made uh, the best decisions as governor, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't name any that were like horrific off the top of my head. But the one thing I will say that everybody has said throughout his entire political career, whether it went from regent, county commissioner, or then governor, is he takes the time to research the issues, and he's very thoughtful and very informed when he makes decisions. Yeah, and there's no way he woke yeah. up one day and said, hey, I think I know how I can retain power as governor. I just want to shut down all businesses. And that well, I, that, I just that was, that was an unfair criticism because, honestly, here's how I came back. Right. You know, I said, okay, no one has ever dealt with this before. Right. I mean, he's going off the best information he's got. He's got to make a call somehow. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the line, when you make a decision, you're, you're, you're going to irritate certain people. Yeah. But leaders have to make decisions. And he did do that. And, you know? I, and I go back to what I said earlier, because this is a defining difference between, in my opinion, some, not all, Republicans and Democrats today. As soon as Steve Sislak, before all votes were counted even, saw that he was not going to win, yeah. He immediately conceded, and the first thing he did was call Joe Lombardo and uh, wish him the best, asked if, you know, peaceful transfer of power. He didn't attack our democracy. In fact, he did the opposite of it. He praised our democracy. And that is something that I think we should all remember Steve Sislak as. If you, I agree. Uh, I mean, he's not dead. I'm talking like he's, dead. he's still going to be around. But, right, yeah, but, yeah. but I mean, you know, in the most important hour, he lost with dignity. 
Yeah. And I and, would love and, to see Republicans start doing that. And, and uh, Brian, mm -hmm. I can't agree with you 100% more. Mm -hmm. I mean, the peaceful transition of power is yep. something that we have always sure. taken so strongly in this country. Two quick examples. Number yep. one, the whole January 6th thing. I'm not going to go on and on and on about it, but. Who had to sign and certify yep. the electoral votes that made George W. Bush president? Al Gore. Yeah. You think Al Gore wanted to do that? No, but he did it because it was his job as the VP. Truman and Eisenhower despised each other. When they rode in the limo from the Capitol or, or from the White House to the Capitol, not one of them said a word to each other. But there wasn't any screaming back and forth or any of this crap. Right, right. Like you lose, you lose. You call, you concede. You say, "Hey, you know, wish you the best." Blah blah blah, and move on. Yeah, no, there's and, and, and that is a hallmark of our democracy, of course. And it's ridiculous we're starting to lose that. And it's my biggest criticism right now of the Republican Party. Uh, and, have I, some, and I don't disagree. Yeah, with have you. dignity, uh, have grace. Um, and I gave Dr. Oz credit where credit was due, just like yeah. I gave Steve Sislaw credit. While yeah. I didn't agree with Dr. Oz, yeah. I gave him credit for the fact that the following morning he called Fetterman, he conceded. Yeah. And you know what? I gained a lot of, he gained a lot of respect in my eyes yeah. for, for Dr. Oz for doing that yeah. uh, when a lot of Republicans across the country refused to. Jim, I, I didn't even know he was running. I yeah. was like, Dr. Oz <laughs> yeah. is running. Another, tr another Trump appointee, so to speak. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Jim, it's been a pleasure having you in. You know, you're welcome here anytime and I appreciate your honesty and your candidness in answering these questions. And I really do. And you and Steve can come in here and we can, we can mix it up and talk anytime, my friend. And, okay. and I do, uh, I do appreciate you coming on, Jim. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you being here. That's Jim Jonas, everybody from Veterans and Politics. I always love to have conversations with reasonable people, but I will also be honest with you. Sometimes when I do interviews with cuckoos, those can be entertaining as well. Jim's not one of those, huh? but I appreciate Jim coming in. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this with the head basketball coach, UNLV. Big game tonight, Dayton Flyers. We'll talk about it with Kevin coming up. Coming up next right here on KSHB. <laughs> Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. The best choice for convenience, comfort, and value, My Place Hotels are ideal for both short-term and long-term travelers. The rooms at My Place features pillow top mattresses, microfiber bedding, and a variety of soft and firm pillows. All extended stay rooms offer their own kitchen, which includes a full-size refrigerator and a cooktop. On-site laundry facilities are also available for extended stays at pet-friendly My Place Hotels. Book your stays online at MyPlaceHotels.com, My Place Hotels, St. George, and West Jordan, Utah. Make My Place your place. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, 
car accident treatment and work injuries, you name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams and treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Shopping is always easy with the Radio Shopping Show. Whether it's shopping during any one of our live shows right here on AM 1400 or listening live on the KSHP app, you can always call in at 702-221-7283 to pick up great deals with your favorite host. Or shop 24-7 at KSHP.com. Go to KSHP.com and select Shopper's Guide to browse hundreds of businesses featured on the show. Place your order online and we'll have it shipped right to your front door. With so many possibilities, it's hard not to shop. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. Well, if you're thinking of uh, catching some good basketball, uh, you might find it at the Thomas and Mack Center tonight. Uh, UNLV men's hoops in action against a really, really good basketball team. They're ranked 21st in the country. The Dayton Flyers are in town and joining us right on the line to preview the game. Always a pleasure having the head basketball coach of UNLV basketball, Kevin Kruger, joining us. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on. How are you? No problem. Doing well. How you guys doing? Doing good, Kev. Always a pleasure having you on. And uh, listen, this is a really good basketball team coming to town. But before we get to the game tonight, you guys are two games into the season. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on uh, at this point in the season, what you see, what you like, maybe some things that you don't like. What what can you tell us so far? Uh, just, I think there's been a lot of good things, you know, really, really good defensive effort, really good approach to each game, uh, great intent. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think we just, uh, from game one to game two, we did a really good job cleaning up some things offensively. So we just got to keep, uh, keep, uh, working on that end, keep turning, getting our turnover numbers down, but, but keep our defensive baseline, uh, where it's been. I think you would agree with me. Obviously, it's one thing to have wins against Southern and Incarnate Word, and then it's another thing to, to be playing a team like you're playing tonight in the Dayton Flyers. You know as well as anybody how good this basketball team is. There's a reason why they're nationally ranked top 25 in the country. Uh, talk to me. Give me the scouting report. Talk to me a little bit about this Dayton team. What do you expect from them tonight? Well, I think what makes them so dangerous is just uh, you know their, their chemistry. You can see they, they play well with each other. Um, they, they have a good security they uh, just have a good confidence and a good kind of uh, you know energy about them, and so I think anytime you play teams like that that have have, have that many minutes together, you know, going back to last year, you just got to know they're going to go on runs. 
you just got to weather the storm, but you yeah. got to you got to do everything in your power to limit those runs and and try to go on some good runs yourself. Fair to say that you're going to learn a lot more about this team tonight. I mean, when you play a caliber team like you're playing tonight, you're going to learn a little bit more about this basketball team. At least fans will. No, no question. I think uh, you know, like you said, uh, you know, we had a good challenge in Southern. We had good challenges from a with Incarnate Word, um, but when you play a team again with the experience and the you know the the kind of the hype around them uh, that was that was well deserved off laps last season, you're just mm-hmm. going to face different challenges. It seems to me, Kevin, that you have a lot of raw talent on this team, right? A lot. You you have some great athletes on this team, but. I don't know, and maybe you could share this with me. You don't have that guy, and not many teams do, like you had last year, right? You had Hamilton. You knew that when your team was in trouble, you give Hamilton the basketball. If he's not going to create for himself, he's going to be creating for others. And then you had a guy like Williams who could score in the paint. He can shoot threes. Two phenomenal players that are that are getting paid to play basketball. This year's team offensively is very, very different. I mean, I can see Gilbert as maybe being that guy. I don't know if he's that guy right now. Do you have... That guy, do you feel like you have that type of player and that type of identity, or do you feel like it's just more of a team type chemistry and you may not have that go to guy? Yeah, I think it might. We might just be seeing that where we just got a lot of guys that you know were were really solid uh, last year or where they were at, and that we could have a number of different leading scores on any given night. But uh, in the long run, I think that could make us even more difficult to prepare for. Yeah, uh, when when I talk about Gilbert and uh, really enjoy watching him play the game plays hard on both ends of the floor. The The word that I hear some people use is maturity. We got to wait for him to mature. He's a hell of a basketball player. He plays hard. He's a fan favorite. Do you agree with that? And do you also feel like, you know, he has matured a lot from last year to this year with all the responsibilities and the new responsibilities that he has? Oh, he's definitely, he's definitely made a lot of strides and, you know, asking him to be the primary ball handler, you know, starting the game this year is, is, is different for him. You know, last year his role was just come in, kind of change the game, change the tempo, you know, go out there, dive on the floor, play hard defensively and, and fit in where you can offensively. But, you know, this year he's just got more responsibility. So I think that's, uh, that's fair to an extent, but also I think, uh, you know, he's a guy that's, that we wouldn't ask him to do it if we didn't think he could. Sure. If you're just joining us, head UNLV men's basketball coach Kevin Kruger. Big game tonight at Thomas and Mac. We want to get as many people out there as possible wearing black, my understanding. And uh, they're playing the yes. Dayton Flyers, 21st ranked team in the country. We want a good crowd out there. Uh, and, and you would think with the competition that you're playing tonight, Kevin, right, the, the atmosphere would be uh, better than, than it has been the first two games, I would assume, right? Yeah, I hope so. You know, like, uh, I think, uh, you know, the guys feed off of it. I think, uh, you know, when you anybody who's been to Rebel Games ever, you know, you know that the defense gets the, the fans on their feet and the effort, the energy gets them going. So I think this is a, a fun team for for the city and for, you know, Rebel alums and fans to uh, to enjoy watching. I don't want to get too far ahead uh, of things, but what would it mean for this program if you guys were able to, and that's the goal, right, winning a basketball game tonight, if you guys were able to knock off the 21st-ranked team in the country so early in the season, too, I mean, obviously it'd mean a lot for the conference. What would it mean for your program if you guys were able to get a W tonight? Oh, it'd be big. It'd be big because, you know, this is a an opportunity to play a team that, that spent last year together, uh, had a rough start, but then figured it out pretty impressively uh, by winning the their MTE tournament, beating Kansas as one of those teams who, of course, won the whole thing. So, uh, you know, it, it would just mean a lot to, just in terms of knowing where we're at. You know, they're they're tried and true. They're, uh, you know, they're going to be a team that plays in the NCAA tournament, potentially wins their conference. Uh, 
is going to win a lot of games. So this early test for our guys, I think uh, it would just be great to to know where we're at. All right, Kev, fill in the blank for me. UNLV is going to come away with the win tonight against Dayton if they do what? I think if we rebound. I think, uh, you know, defensively, of course, we've, we've had a lot of, we've had some good games. We've got a, a good, I think, understanding there. But, you know, if we can create the shots that we want, uh, Dayton to take, then, uh, the bigger challenge is even going to be get, keeping them from getting it if they miss. Well, Kev, I'm pulling for you as I always do. And I know the fans uh, are as well. Uh, looking forward to the game tonight. It's going to be exciting and, uh, go get a W, my friend. There's nothing more I would rather do than talk on the radio tomorrow and talk about a big UNLV win against Dayton, my friend. So go get them. We wish you luck and we'll see you tonight. Okay. And I always appreciate you taking the time to join me on this show. Thanks, Kevin. Of course. Thank you. Appreciate it. That is uh, Kevin Kruger, head coach, UNLV men's basketball. Big game tonight. Always appreciated, especially when Kevin comes on uh, on game day. Not many coaches like doing that, and I appreciate him coming on. Kevin is such an easy guy to root for. I mean, I talk about that all the time. He's a good guy. What do you want me to say? I'm not going to lie to you guys. I never lie. In the- I did not like Marvin Menzies as a person. Also don't like him as, as a basketball coach, but that's here nor there. Um, Dave Rice, great guy. I wanted Dave Rice to succeed, you know, and um, classy guy. Never said anything negative personally about Dave Rice. Not a very good head basketball coach. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, but, you know, good guy. He uh, showed a lot of, um, I guess you could say, respect for the media, and especially the day he was fired. You know, a couple hours later, he did a press conference. Not every coach would do that. It's classy. Dave Rice is a class act. Just didn't get it done here. Marvin Menzies, TJ Otzelberger, no thank you. Not people that I would personally uh, hang out with away from uh, basketball. But Kevin's a good dude, man. His father, Lon Kruger, is a legend and also a great guy. They're just a wonderful family. And uh, I'm pulling for him. He's got his work cut out for him this year. Why do I say that? Well, I mean, he pretty much admitted it himself um, just a few minutes ago. They really don't have a go-to guy. They really don't have a guy that can take over a game. Hamilton was that guy. Regardless of whether he has an NBA career or not, Hamilton was an all-conference player. I don't think they have any all-conference players. If they do, I hope I'm wrong. I don't think they do. I think maybe one day Gilbert can be that guy that can be an all-conference player. I don't think he's ready yet. So you're asking a lot tonight. This is a Dayton team that um, is very, very good. They're very talented. They're very athletic. And the reason why Kevin brought up rebounding is because Dayton's pretty big. They got some big guys that can rebound and that can score underneath the basket. I hope I'm wrong on this prediction. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think UNLV can, can, can stay with this Dayton team. I hope I'm wrong. UNLV has to play with nothing to lose. They have to get off to a good start. And then, you know, you never know. I think Dayton wins this game by double digits. I really do. Again, I could be wrong, and I hope I am wrong because I'm pulling for UNLV. I want Kevin, and I want UNLV to succeed. I want them to win tonight because this would be a huge win for this program for a lot of different reasons. First of all, put you on the national map. Right now, UNLV is ranked 117th in the country. You beat Dayton, ranked 21st in the country. You are immediately a top 50 team, immediately. So, And the confidence and more fans will support. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's a huge game for UNLV. And if you're Dayton, you lose to UNLV, you're out of the top 25. So make no mistake about it. This is a big game for Dayton also. So come out, support UNLV basketball. 
I love college basketball. You got all, we got all these tournaments in town this weekend. I can't wait to watch Baylor play at the T-Mobile Arena. That's going to be so much fun. I can't wait for it. I love this city. I love living here. I love all the events that are here. And uh, please go out and uh, support UNLV Hoops because um, I'm looking forward to the game tonight. Not every day you get to see a top 25 team in the country play in person. The tickets are reasonable. And uh, uh, I hope that uh, you come out and support UNLV. All right. So... Going to switch topics to some extent. I'm still going to talk basketball with you, but we're going to bring up a guy that we really don't talk about very much in the media, and that's Tim Hardaway. So I remember I was covering NBA All-Star Weekend here in Vegas. Gosh, how many years ago was that? Uh, it was a long time ago. It was many 2009, years. 2009, right? Is that when it was? I, I think, think I was so. like 29 years old. Yeah, that sounds about right. So NBA All-Star Weekend is here, and then this story breaks out, and Tim Hardaway at the time was still playing in the league, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. And he had made some comments about John Amici and some gay NBA basketball players that had come out and admitted that they were gay. And in those statements, Tim Hardaway said uh, and made disparaging homophobic statements about players who might be gay. And by the way, the All-Star game was in 2007. I was 27. So he made some comments that were very homophobic and stupid, and he was called out for it. And we didn't hear a lot from Tim Hardaway since. Well, Tim Hardaway helped out on a broadcast uh, yesterday, an NBA game that he was broadcasting, doing some color for. And I guess I don't really need to describe this for you. I'm just going to play it for you. This is Tim Hardaway live on national television doing color commentary on, a, on an NBA game. Listen to this. Right. He knows he can't get out. Oh, 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 man. So y'all thought that was great D. I thought that was just raping him. <laughs> I think well, he came it, it could have went either way. Yeah. I think it you should have called the police on that. Right. <laughs> All right. So here's my take on that. And Tim Hardaway's taking a lot of flack for it. Uh, because before I give my take, here's Tim Hardaway in the next segment. He knew and the network knew. That, uh-oh, that's a no-no. Here's what Tim Hardaway said in an apology afterwards. Hey, hey, everybody. I, uh, I used a poor choice of words earlier in the broadcast. I want to apologize for that. And, um, you know, let's get back to the game and let's finish this game off with a 30-point win and, and, and go home happy. Awesome. All right. So here's my take on this. If you're a professional broadcaster, no matter what you're doing, especially if you're covering sports, you should never use the term rape. When describing a basketball player, or any play for that matter, it was stupid. It's a bad choice of words. Do I believe Tim Hardaway did this out of maliciousness and, and undermining sexual assault? No, I don't. He apologized and we should move on now. This is not Kyrie Irving and anti-Semitic tropes. That's not what we're talking about here. These are not the homophobic statements that Tim Hardaway made back in 2007. I would be lying to you right now, and I never said this on the air, but I'd be lying to you in my lifetime if if somebody wasn't, I don't know, mugged on a football play or a basketball play where I never used that same terminology. Now, I'm not proud of it, and I never would talk like that on the air, but there have probably been a few times in my life years ago where I said that. Doesn't mean I am undermining the horrible crime, which is rape. Now, I don't condone it. It shouldn't be used. It definitely should never be used when comparing a basketball play Tim Hardaway absolutely made a mistake. 
but no, I don't believe he should be ever fired or he, he, he shouldn't be allowed to broadcast ever again. Just don't do it anymore. That's all. Don't do it. But some of those people that are going after Tim Hardaway for using the term rape in describing a basketball play and criticizing him, rightfully so, are some of the same people that are defending Kyrie Irving. You have no credibility if you're one of those people. Kyrie Irving will be playing basketball again. And I know that we had Jameson Walsh on the show last week and we made a bet. Jameson doesn't think he's ever going to play in the NBA ever again. I disagree with him. He's too good of a basketball player and he makes money. Makes money for organizations. Now, obviously, the whole situation with, you know, this is what really frustrates me about people like LeBron James. I'm not saying LeBron James needs to tweet about every cause or every injustice. No, that's not what I am saying. But why is it, you know, when, when it comes to issues facing the black community, I think LeBron James, for the most part, is a champion, and I applaud him for doing that, for equal justice for African Americans. I applaud him for that. Yes, he said some stupid things on social media, like he feels like black people, when they leave their home, they all feel like they're being hunted. That's a very dumb statement. Maybe there are some that feel that way, but many of the black people that I talk to do not agree with LeBron James' statements on that. He's made some dumb statements. But his heart is in the right place, and I applaud LeBron James for, you know, wanting social justice. I have no problem at all, and and I applaud him for doing so. I, I applaud all players for doing that. The problem I have in this situation is that LeBron James has not been outspoken at all about Kyrie Irving. And when he finally addressed it the other day, he basically said, yeah, I'm not for hate speech, but Kyrie should be playing. I mean, that's basically what he said. Instead of getting specific and putting out a tweet that says anti-Semitism cannot be tolerated in this league and cannot be tolerated in this country. You think I'm wrong? Let me ask you all a question then. If a white basketball player tweeted out a documentary about how horrible black people are, constantly using the N-word in this documentary, let's just say someone that runs the Ku Klux Klan made a film about how horrible black people are. And then let's just say Hypothetically speaking, a white basketball player in the NBA endorsed it. And that's what it is. It's an endorsement when you put it up on Twitter. That's not even worth an argument or a discussion. How do you think LeBron James would handle that? I guarantee you he'd be the first one every day tweeting about how this guy should be out of the league and that the NBA needs to put down the clamps on this guy. LeBron James would be doing that. You think LeBron James would tweet out, well, I don't endorse this documentary and I don't endorse racism, but so-and-so should be playing. This is getting out of hand. No, of course LeBron James wouldn't do that. It's an issue of credibility and being fair. As I said, I applaud LeBron James and any anybody who's African-American who calls out racism and hatred and hate speech. I'm I'm backing you 150%. Why are, why are so many of you silent when it comes to anti-Semitism? Now, some of you think that the, the uh, Brooklyn Nets organization being too hard on Kyrie. I don't think that way at all. Here's why. If he came out right away and he apologized and said he was wrong and flat out said, I'm not anti-Semitic, in that first press conference coming back, if he took the bull by the horn right away, I would agree with LeBron James. I'd say to myself, Kyrie, 
You need to be a little smarter with what you tweet out. You need to vet these documentaries and anything you tweet out because you have too big of a platform. You made a very big mistake, but I'm glad you came out and you apologized and you admitted you were wrong. Move on. I don't even think he deserved a suspension if he did that. Just maybe a stern talking to, hey, you can't do this. Don't do it again. No problem. Okay, we can move on now. And I wouldn't be talking about Kyrie Irving with you as we speak. And LeBron James would not have tweeted anything. Where Kyrie Irving made his biggest mistake was not endorsing this film that I don't even think he watched. That wasn't his biggest mistake. It was a mistake, but it wasn't his biggest mistake. Kyrie Irving's biggest mistake was the way he handled it in the days after. He doubled down on it with his endorsement of this movie. He argued with members of the media. He was combative. He refused to apologize. And then after speaking to the Nets organization and after ignoring the owner for days of text messages, he finally met with the owner and then he holds another press conference at a shoot around and he refuses to directly answer the question of Kyrie, are you an anti-Semite? Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not an anti-Semite and if somebody asked you, are you an anti-Semite? There's only one answer. It's no. If somebody asks you if you're a racist and you're not a racist, the answer is no. I don't need to hear about how you're some Hebrew Israelite or that. I don't, I don't want to hear any of that. No, I am not an anti-Semite. That's the way you need to answer that question. That was the last straw for the organization. It's the way Kyrie handled this that to me is even worse than the, than the documentary with all these anti-Semitic tropes that he endorsed. That was Kyrie Irving's demise. And I don't believe he's genuine now in his apology because the only reason why he apologized was after he was suspended without pay because it actually affected him and his money. That was where Kyrie Irving got it terribly wrong. Yes, it was a mistake to endorse an anti-Semitic documentary. Absolutely. But the bigger mistake was the way he handled it afterwards. And he is not genuine in his apology. He wants to get back into the league. He wants to get paid. I want people to be treated fairly. Kyrie Irving has been treated fairly. He's had multiple opportunities to apologize, and he didn't do it. And that's why the organization is coming down so hard on him, and rightfully so. I, I absolutely agree with what they're doing. By the way, New York, a lot of Jewish people in New York couldn't find a worse place to do what you did. I mean, it's, it wouldn't be good anywhere in the country. Definitely not New York. So I applaud the organization and the NBA coming down hard on him. Listen, Adam Silver's had a conversation with him, said he doesn't believe that he's anti-Semitic. And maybe that's true. Maybe Kyrie Irving is not anti-Semitic, but we know what Kyrie Irving is. Very stupid. Kyrie Irving is a very stupid person. Very uneducated and very stupid. Oh, but Brian, he went to Duke. Just because he went to Duke for one year when he was on the basketball team doesn't make him educated. There's a lot of dumb people that went to college. That doesn't mean anything. Kyrie Irving's very dumb. Anybody who says the earth is flat and throws out conspiracy theories about the vaccines is stupid. Kyrie Irving is not very bright. I also don't like the way Kevin Durant has handled this whole situation, failing to really call out Kyrie Irving and holding him accountable. Why is it that we have an injustice towards a black person? We have everybody calling it out, which is which I agree with, by the way, but then some of these same black athletes don't seem to be anywhere near as aggressive in calling out anti-Semitism. I have a huge problem with that, and they are hypocrites. And I'm sick of it, quite frankly. I am sick to my stomach. All injustices need to be called out, especially when it is one of your own. It's one of your own. 
If Kyrie Irving never played another game in the NBA, I wouldn't have a problem with it. And I would say he did it to himself. And it is unforgivable as far as I'm concerned. His actions and his behaviors afterwards, unforgivable. He might not be an anti-Semitic, but he is just an ignoramus. He's very stupid. And there are people, amazingly enough, there are people who continue to this day to defend Kyrie Irving. And they can continue to defend Kanye West. And it's very scary. It's very dangerous. And there's no place for that, especially with someone who has a huge platform. And it's sad. And it's wrong. And we need to continue to call it out. And I wish more NBA players, and I wish just more people in general, whether it be political figures, people with a platform, I just wish more people would call it out. And I just don't think they're aggressive enough in calling out Kyrie Irving for what he did and what who he is. He is an idiot. He is a dumbass. He is he's very stupid and very stubborn. And I would not want to be the owner of the Brooklyn Nets right now. It'd be nice having the money he has, but I would not want to have to deal with Kyrie Irving because it would be very, very, very difficult. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Uh, my thank you uh, to my guest, uh, Jim Jonas, for joining us from Veterans in Politics. And, of course, Kevin Kruger, the head coach of UNLV basketball, uh, in action tonight against the Dayton Flyers, a very good basketball team in town, a top 25 team. In the country, I'm going to be at Ping Pong Palooza for a little bit tonight over at Sapphire, raising money for charity. Uh, that's uh, I know it's a tough job, but somebody has to do it. So here we go. Playing a little ping pong, raising money for charity. That's what I'm going to be doing tonight. I will also be catching the UNLV basketball game tomorrow on the show. The guy that has been all over MSNBC and national national uh, TV stations across the country because he's so good at what he does, uh, especially when it cover when it comes to covering local politics. The great John Ralston will be joining us on the show tomorrow. Really look forward to talking to him in breaking down the elections. He is he's brilliant in what he does. I really I really love his work. Of course, Michelle Mortensen, the eight time Emmy winner and staunch Republican, will be joining us in studio as well. Uh, so we're going to have some fun tomorrow. Look forward to the show. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.